0: Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app, which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already and that's not just because you can get Access to all 880 episodes of this show and very easily as well. But you can also watch live races, you can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now at the Racing app, it's your one stop shop, and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favorite daily racing podcast. <music> You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, the 20th of December. Christmas approaching faster and faster. Still haven't done all my shopping. Plenty of time yet, I'd say. Right, grey gloomy here in TW11 today. And we're looking at the... Entries coming in at the six day stage for the uh, the big races on Boxing Day. When I last looked, there were only two in the Christmas hurdle. Of course, Constitution Hill, yet to be added to that, but it was Rubo and Namian Lion. Two hours to save the Christmas hurdle. I hear you cry. Well, I'll be talking to Paul Nichols in a little while, trainer of Rubo, and whether he thinks he can serve it up to Constitution Hill. Of course, we talk about all these other exciting runners over the Christmas period. Brave man's game and on in the King George and MS Allen in the Quarto star, uh, plus his runners in the in the Welsh National and much, much more. And he's got an update on Brani Frost, who I think took quite a nasty fall schooling the other day and was pretty sore. Update on her in a little while. Also, lovely piece with Paddy Brennan, who reached the 1500 winner mark yesterday at Catrick. He is always an intriguing interviewee and he doesn't let me down. Do stay tuned for that. We will start... Uh, with a couple of bits of breaking news first that the IHRB have appealed the leniency of the sanction uh, in the Tony Martin case Tony Martin was given a withdrawal of license for six months but that was suspended so therefore he can still uh, train and he was given a fine they've appealed the leniency of that sanction more of which in a few moments and we'll We'll kick off our, our discussion with a bit of international news and quite an important piece of international news surrounding a, a very high-profile trainer that is set to move jurisdictions. Lee Mottishead, senior writer from the Racing Post, is with me. Uh, Lee, who is it and where are they going? Uh,
1: so this is David Eustace, Nick, who is the joint trainer, co-trainer in Australia with Kieran Ma. Uh He is obviously a, a British Uh, guy. He's the son of former trainer James Eustace and the brother of Harry Eustace. He has been in Australia since 2014. He went there initially as Roger Varian's assistant with runners for the Melbourne Spring Carnival. He got a job then with Peter Moody. He's ended up with Kira Ma as his assistant trainer since 2018. He has been extremely successful in that role. Together they have had 30 Group 1 winners, highlighted by the Melbourne Cup success of Gold Trip. There's been a cox Plate. There's been tons of, of major races along the way. He is an extremely intelligent, talented guy. I had the pleasure of interviewing him in Ballarat in February. I was deeply impressed. Everyone has been impressed by him. And we hear reports initially uh, by journalist Tom Biddington in Australia that David Eustace is wanted by the Hong Kong Jockey Club, to take on a role as a licensed trainer in Hong Kong. And the rumours suggest he's very much heading there.
0: I spoke with our Hong Kong correspondent, J.A. McGrath, who you'll be hearing from a bit later with his Happy Valley tips today, and asked him what the significance was of a potential move for Eustace to Hong Kong.
2: It's significant because at the moment uh, they are seriously lacking. Hong Kong Jockey Club are seriously lacking in a European presence. And following the uh, departure of uh, uh, Richard Gibson at the end of last season, uh, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a balanced uh, sort of training ranks. And, and at the moment, they're overloaded with uh, with Aussies and also with locals. Uh, and you know they need they need balance in that uh, uh, in in that uh, in those ranks, and I think this is a an ideal way to do it. Uh, you know, if you're talking about Dave Eustace as 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 the man, and if he is the man, well, uh, he's the perfect fit because. He's a European, born and bred in in Britain, Uh, grew up uh, and knows very well the ways of European racing and also European training methods. But also he's been able to translate that to Australia, went down... And of course, he's a Melbourne Cup winning trainer. He's uh, in conjunction with Kieran Maher, gold trip, won the, won the cup, and he's won umpteen Group 1 races with in, in conjunction with Kieran Maher. So he has the perfect CV for what they're looking for. And if it's true, he'll fit in well.
0: All right, that was J.A. McGrath. Um, it, it's, a, it's a big task for him, a big challenge, even if it's a a very appealing one on the on the face of it never has has the local training fraternity been so strong in hong kong lee uh, the likes of francis loy and and, and and others are, are doing incredibly well and it's been a long time as you you say since a, a northern hemisphere trainer has or a northern hemisphere born trainer has really has really made an impact that said um
1: this is a guy who is pretty much an aussie well that's right um in his excellent scope, Tom Biddington makes the point, as you do, Nick, there, that the, the Hong Kong Jockey Club would almost certainly want someone with a European background to spread the diversity of the training talent in Hong Kong. But again, as you say, David Eustace is now basically an Aussie. His his last almost decade has been spent in Australia Um, And I very much found when I spent time with him, and I'm sure you have as well, Nick, that he has now taken on an Aussie attitude as well to training racehorses, not least in the sense in which he understands and embraces the link between horse racing and betting. Um, One of the things that I found most impressive about him was his, uh, his critique of British racing secrecy sometimes, uh, and the way in which he said uh, to me that journalists find getting information out of some British stables like drawing blood from a stone. But here we have regular press mornings, which is great. He understands um, the the need for racing to embrace betting. That obviously is key. In Hong Kong, he has adopted a very scientific approach to training racehorses alongside Kieran Ma. That will also be extremely well suited to Hong Kong. And in terms of uh, a work-life balance, uh, Tom makes a point in his piece that there is a limit of 70 horses for a stable in Hong Kong. Well, when I saw uh, David in February at that point, he and Kieran had around 700 horses in training at their peak. So he'll have 10% fewer horses or 10% fewer horses to train uh, compared to what he has now in Hong Kong. So his work-life balance will be greatly improved. He will be a big coup, a really big coup for the Hong Kong Jockey Club. Um, Kieran Stable is immensely successful. They have real talent in there. Guys like Jack Turnbull is a very impressive assistant. You won't be at all surprised if he gets elevated to a, a joint trainer role. But but for David you this would have been a big decision and if it is a yes, uh, it is a seismic move for him. Okay, breaking news. We've got another runner in the Christmas hurdle. Lee, you're tracking the the the, end, the entries? This is deeply exciting, Nick. So we're talking just over an hour before entries, Dell confirmations close. Um, there is a horse in the Labrador's Christmas hurdle now, a new one. We initially had Rubo, trained by Paul Nichols, and the Mian Lion, trained by Kerry Lee. We're expecting, obviously, Constitution Hill for Nicky Henderson. We now have a new entry, Magical Maggie trained by Alistair Ralph for Mrs Norma Harris um, is now in the Christmas hurdle but she won't be in the Christmas hurdle because she has, according to uh, the BHA database, an official rating of 124 and to be eligible to run in the Christmas hurdle as a grade one, you need to be rated 130 so I fear that for Magic or Maggie uh, the chance to take down Constitution Hill will not happen
3: Okay
0: Uh, that's what's happening with the Christmas Hurdle. Let's talk about um, uh, the horses that are going to be in it, including Rubo. I've been speaking to his trainer, Paul Nichols, and uh, this is what he had to say, first of all, about him. And he goes on to talk about the remainder of his runners on Boxing Day and beyond. But this is what he had to say about putting it up to Constitution Hill.
3: No, I mean, on all known form, was going to be hard to beat. It was always going to be a small field. We were always going to go there. He, he's good right-handed. He's good rank captain, and it fits in with our programme. And um, it's a good few quid if you uh, were lucky enough to finish second. But, um, yeah, look, he's improving, young horse. He keeps on winning. The form's good, but we got
0: a mountain to climb, as we see it on what we know so far. But I suppose from your position, you, you take one of two routes. You either go, oh, well, there's no point turning up there and giving him a walkover, or you say, well, it's the right race for my horse. you just got to keep rolling the dice.
3: Oh exactly i mean we' we we'll give him a race, no doubt about that I mean um you know there's not many other races really we can go for. I can't see he's going for the champion early at this stage, but um you know, I was thinking here and then we can count in the spring, and then we'll make a plan afterwards, but you know it's a good track for him. he's he's won there twice um and um yeah he's very well so he's not going there just for a day out well you know we'll try and
0: serve it up to him but you know as i said we've got a mountain to climb in all known form is it pretty obvious to you when you see him say at home that he would be would be one of your quicker horses is he a fast horse to watch work
3: oh yeah he's, he's definitely improving horse and he jumps and gallops and you know he's got good stay in two miles he's he, he's definitely one of our better ones that's for sure
0: so he's in the in the Christmas hurdle. How are the King George horses going? What more have you got to do with them between now and Boxing Day?
3: Um, they've just done a, a normal routine piece of work. Just seen Frodo in a man's game going nicely. Brave man's game seems to be a lot sharper and better than he's been so far this season, I'd say. Last Saturday worked right back to his best. and Whether he just took a bit of time to get over those races in the spring, I don't know. But he appears to be coming good. Looks great, feeling good. One more piece of work on Saturday morning they both do which have been then normal couple of three days before they run and yeah they're at school tomorrow morning they're well ready
0: uh, and as far as the ground is concerned at Kempton at the moment it's it's kind of on the easier side of good because we had a lot of rain up here yesterday but it's going to be dry for a bit
3: yeah well that's just what both of them want especially Brave man's game to be honest with he's run on heavy which he doesn't really suit him up at weather be, and then he was testing enough at Haydock he is better on better ground um, so that's got to be in his favor.
0: I mean, what That's do you? Key to him. Yeah, what, what what do you make of the Haydock run? I mean, you've had enough time to think about it now.
3: Yeah, he ran okay. It was only three weeks after the Weatherby race. Um, he ran okay. It was he got outstayed. Really, Darrell wasn't too hard on him. From once he got beat, he he had neither of his two runs this season. He's run badly. He's run okay, um, but just because he hasn't won, they sort of. Everyone seems to have lost a bit of faith in him, but Kempton's almost a home game for him. It's a flat right handed track. We know he's been there twice and won twice. He loves it there, and the decent ground is a big plus. So, you know, a lot of positives, and you know, I'd say he seems to be really, really well.
0: course Star looks about one of the most intriguing races of the whole Christmas period. You're putting Hermes Allen in there uh, up against, uh, I think, the good friend Chaucer, Le Francais, going to run Classical Dream. Looks like he's going to run. Um, Giovinco looks like he's going to run. It, it's going to be a proper test. It, it, is he? Is he up to it? Do you think?
3: Oh, without a shadow of doubt. I mean, uh, classical dreams also in Leppertown. I think Grange Gray at West was in there as well. It will ultimately cut up on the day. Of course he's up there. He ran very well he, that he's improved. You know, he's a shallow hurdle winner and we're very happy with his prep and the way he looks and now he's gone and I'm I'm really looking forward to run I could have had a softer option at Ask it tomorrow if I wanted to. But I, I you know, I wanna to go to Kempton and see where we stand and yeah. You know the the French horse has only been running out toy in soft ground. Different ball game around Campton. Totally different ball game for him. So it'll be a new experience. Ultimately, he's a very smart horse. Whatever the others are, it's going to be a good race. I think the horse of Lucinda's. It was wine Stairway Fay Is a good traveller, but he, he, he this would be the toughest test he's ever faced. That's for sure. So yes, yeah, a proper race, like you say, and we're looking forward to it.
0: I mean, do you? I mean, do you? Would you price you yourself up as favourite in this?
3: the French also be favourite I'd say on all known form but how do you price things I, mean, I, had, I don't really look at that too much but I just think we got a great chance he's improving also flat track a lot of it in his favour you know but like you say he's nearly one of the races of the, the meeting
0: I mean, what I loved about Newbury was the neatness of his jumping he just yeah. he doesn't waste any time does he
3: no and that's what you want and that was good and as you know we'd had a setback before then so he's bound to have improved i think three miles could bring out more improvement i mean lastly when when he won the challow and very heavy ground all he did was stay that day but ultimately he's a better horse on better ground um so yes it's a proper race and we're looking forward to it
0: and are you are you firing bullets here there and everywhere over the over the christmas period i know we've mentioned the main ones in the in the kempton grade ones who else are you really looking forward to running
3: well we've got plenty to run there you know, I think runner in every race at Kempton uh, I'm going to run three up at Aintree It's um, good as I put oh, called Jackpot there too in the grey one Novice Hurdle, he's a winner recently But he'll have to step up a little bit You never know if the ground was testing. Tamaris runs in the Novice handicap chase And a lovely bumper called Fireland Here they go there And we've got a couple of three at uh, Wincanton Not quite so many as normal there And then busy Kempton a day after Chepstow right on through into New Year So we've got loads to run and looking forward to it
0: Can you win the Welsh National?
3: Um, yeah, I'm going to run Complete Unknown and Truckers Lodge.
0: Okay, Complete Unknown. What did you What did you uh, put his his run last time down to?
3: Ground, ground, ground. He wants soft ground. his best forms on soft ground. He just was flat out all the way around there the other day, and he ran okay actually on the ground. But we we sort of knew that beforehand. But you know, when you're in those big races, yours tend to run.
0: Perhaps um, there'll be much more to his liking. And will Harry Cobden ride him?
3: Yeah, I suspect so. I just and and, and Freddie will ride Trucker's as trucker runs. Uh, I won't have quite so many at Kempton, so I suspect Bryony are all going to be there. Yeah.
0: Okay. You, you mentioned Bryony, Obviously, she's set to ride on. She just did. She have a schooling fall. Is she all right? Yes, she had got
3: a nasty fall on. Um, uh tinklers hill two days ago that's why he didn't run yesterday he's all right but he was very sore i think she's gonna have some more treatment today to check up and just make sure he's okay so you know hopefully she'll be fit to ride on the weekend
0: all right that was 13 times champion trainer paul nichols uh, limbering up for an an extraordinary assault on the christmas period and just keep our fingers crossed for brianie frost that sounded quite quite nasty but she'll do everything she can to get back in time for frodon a bit of news breaking as i said at the beginning of the show the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board are going to appeal what they perceive to be the leniency of the sanctions against trainer Tony Martin. I think you could have um, bet fairly short odds on that if you'd been listening to Darrow Lachlan, their chief executive on the podcast a couple of days ago, Lee.
1: Yes, Nick, I I don't think it's a surprise. There was an element of opacity in some of uh, Darrow Lachlan's answers to you when you spoke, Um, but when you asked him if he was satisfied that Tony Martin's suspension had been suspended, I think he made clear that he wasn't. And that being the case, I think it would have been odd if the uh, regulator hadn't challenged that decision. So it's not a surprise, and it will be extremely interesting to see how this appeal goes. It will. Uh, Let's move on and talk about
0: uh, Frankie Dottori, who failed to make the cut in the Sports Personality of the Year last night he made it to the final 6 but not to the final 3 and he appeared by video link from france what did you make of the show as a whole
1: and detori's performance with it and racing's position in it racing's position within spotty is is not what it was and it hasn't been what it was uh for a long time um nick and that 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 was the case even before uh bbc television stopped broadcasting Um, horse racing Um, that said um, Frankie was nominated as one of the the six shortlisted candidates as as others have said Rishi on the pod points out that Ronnie O'Sullivan wasn't so he got in there where other people might have thought others would would get a spot Um, I think the fact Nick that he uh, was talking to uh, the audience in Salford from um, France was indicative of the fact that he had no expectation that he was going to win the betting market told you that he wasn't going to win and i think interestingly as well if you go back a few years to when holly doyle uh was shortlisted for uh spotty nick we had this massive racing campaign uh we were all going around wearing vote holly uh beanie hats yeah. there was no, none I of still that i got mine still what the dogs it, in it yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I've, I've got mine as well it's a fine thing but there was none of that this year i think mean, that is because the sport realized that frankie was never going to topple uh Mary Ups in this year's final and he didn't he didn't get in the top three um that might be disappointing they didn't get in the, in the top three but equally Stuart Broad was second uh we know about his achievements and world heptathlon champion Katarina Johnson-Thompson was third um and in terms of um wider public appeal one can argue that um a top cricketer and um a top athlete might well get probably do get more widespread media coverage um, than Frankie Dettori will have had this year. So great that he was shortlisted. No surprise that he didn't win. Maybe a surprise he didn't get in the top three, but not massively.
0: Now, we're not too far away from premierisation. 170 Premier fixtures. We've spoken about it so much on this podcast. And I don't think it's something that necessarily is grabbing racing's fan base at the moment. But it might if they are attracted by a new logo and marketing initiative, Limo said, that was released by the BHA yesterday. Now, these sort of exercises are ripe for Mickey taking. Um, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there you are. There's an open Go goal on. here. But yeah. uh,
1: uh, do we do we need to take this seriously? well um so nick two weeks ago uh, i penned a piece for the post in which the basic thrust of it was that there has been no promotion of premier racing and there was no logo at that stage and there was no money to do any promotion uh in a nutshell we now do have a logo it was released yesterday um it is um a horse's head and neck in a shield uh, with a few stars, three stars above it, and the words "Premier Race Day" beneath it. Now, it has been pointed out by a few people that the the Premier Racing Premier Race Day logo bears striking similarities to the Premier League's logo. Um, striking similarities. Um, the Premier League is a brand worth billions of pounds, so one wonders if they might. Be sending a letter or making a phone call to uh british racing today um time will tell but no they they, we do have a a logo for it now um whether it has been rushed or not i don't know um and we are promised that um, promotion will now start in earnest and that Cheltenham's first meeting on new year's day uh will have elements of premier uh racing promotion we were given details of how these fixed Uh, will be advertised and will be sold and will be different to to normal fixtures. Uh, The proof of the pudding, of course, will be in the eating and we'll get our first nibble at Cheltenham on New Year's Day. Milestone reached at Catrick yesterday when, as part of a treble, Paddy Brennan
0: got a 1,500 career wins. Now, just to put that into some sort of context, jockeys that have already retired... Paul Carberry, 1589. Peter Scudamore, 8 times champion jockey, 1692. Richard Dunwoody, 1874. I think Tom Scudamore retired with just over 1,500. So you're in some seriously exalted company, um, Paddy. Uh, Congratulations, 1,500 winners. If I'd asked you five years ago, 10 years ago, whether that was a realistic goal, what would you have said?
4: Um, I would have said 1,000 would have been you know may possibly a target then and yeah it's hard to answer that question i think i've never been in line probably to be champion jockey or in them lines, so i was always sort of more targeting bigger races but yeah look when you round it up and you get a figure of 1500 is really amazing i'm very very happy to do it
0: is, is there any um, thought of edging your way further up that table of of all time greats who have you got your sights on next
4: No, I knew sort of me and Tom Scudamore, we started close together and he was around. So yeah, I had my eye sort of probably on him. And yeah, no, I don't realistically. I just think, you know, with Graham Lee and the situation he's in, I feel very fortunate to do a job I love. I have done for so many years. And um, yeah, I just, I still you know, the, the festival winner haunts me a little bit. I think that's, them things are more on my mind. I think numbers, If yes, if if you're dealing with champion jockey and stuff like that, that's, that's it. But still nothing beats the big Saturday winner or Cheltenham Festival winner. Uh,
0: and for, for you, this sort of, I'm, I was going to say tail end of your career, but if it is, it's a bloody long tail. It, it's it, this period of time riding for, for Fergal O'Brien. I mean, how much of a new lease of life did that give you at the right time?
4: Yeah, I think a combination of things definitely Fergal, and maybe when Q Card fell in the Gold Cup for the million pound bonus, that probably extended things a little bit as well. Not, not so much financially, but yeah, I think it was like get up and I had a bit to prove again. And, and I'm glad you know Fergal came along at, at a good time for me. And yeah, we work well together. I'm so driven to get the real good horse, the big sort of Saturday horses back, and sometimes it might drive him a little bit mad. But yeah, that's. Honestly, when you've tasted the success at the very top, like a gold cup, it's an unbelievable feeling, and you spend your whole life trying to do that again, and it's yeah, next impossible. But yeah, that's that's why we keep going.
0: This is why I love talking to you because, however much you try and convince me that that you you're a much mellow a character than you used to be, and you don't give yourself such a hard time. It only took you two minutes to mention Q Card falling in the gold cup, the you know the most torturing moment of your entire career when I rung you up to celebrate fifteen hundred winners.
4: Yeah, honestly, I remember doing a thing with with you on look on Sunday and telling you how it was it was difficult and you know definitely definitely affected me mentally and you know nothing cures two things in life is splitting up from a woman and having a fall like that they're two things that take a long time to get over um and cue card I can safely say now I am you know I look back on my career with proudness with ups and downs but I'm yeah I'm really happy and content and yeah I'm, I'm happy with
0: that um you've been riding some really nice horses as well um the the mayor at the weekend Diza Enos I spoke to Fergal about her yesterday and plotting their way to the to the festival where does she sit amongst horses you've ridden in the last few years do you think
4: yeah I just you got to be careful you know she's won a novice hurdle at Cheltenham she won in novice hurdle at Huntington yes she won in Mayor's entry bumper very impressively but she still has a lot a little bit to go and to mm. prove before we can turn around to you and say yeah she's this or she's the best at this and you know I just think for her now she's she's, she's talking the talk and come Cheltenham we'll see if she can walk the walk and I, I think she keeps going the way she's going she, she's got every chance but I'm sure Willie Mullins will be having a say about it and um, he, he'll be giving it a a good go as well, so it'll be very exciting. And
0: there's a there's a good group of, of pretty exciting young horses to come as well. I mean, to what extent is that spurring you on and, and, and keeping you going?
4: Yeah, no, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. But every winner is you know, every winner it's just that kick of wind. It's a, it's a drug, you know. It's just you go by the line, winner of Catrick yesterday. And it really is that that's something that I'll never replace. Um, but yeah, look, I've got a lot of horses here at home, young horses, and you'll see a lot of the older jockeys, Davy Russell. It's something they go into, and it's hopefully the enjoyment can carry on. But yeah, look, I love it. I'd, I'd keep going forever, but. You know, I got three young kids. I uh, got to be realistic, and you don't tempt fit. So we'll we'll go for a little bit longer and, and see how we're getting on.
0: Yeah, see, the the way you're talking suggests you're you're starting the weaning process. You know, you described it as an addiction, but somehow you've got to kind of gently extricate yourself from it. It sounds like you're on that on that trajectory, and your mind's already given quite a lot of thought to it.
4: Yeah, I started that two years ago. Really, I remember going racing with Tony Mackay just before I retired. I drove him to Hexham. He had six rides. I said, you're meant to be retiring in two months. I said, are you, for, are you ready for this? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, that's mental. You know, he went out at the very top and six rides, favorites. And like, that was Tony McKay, and you know, I he was the very, very best. For me, two and a half years ago, I thought, right, I can't keep this pace up if I want to ride. If I want to see a destination in another three to four years, I had to say, right. I'm gonna to have to miss a winner at Perth, I'm gonna to have to miss a winner at Newton Abbott in the summer when it takes you five hours to get there. That's where I just thought I'd use my head a little bit and, and extended things and you know, being able to watch T V knowing you could have ridden a horse that won and accept that I think mentally it, it makes you stronger and I can go out on the next day, maybe Haydock on a Saturday and win a grade two and feel like I'm you know, I'm riding as well as ever, and that's that's the edge I feel like I gave myself the last couple of years. Uh,
0: so have you put a timescale on it? Do you know actually know when you're going to stop?
4: No, I don't. Honestly, Nick, there'll be no fairy tale and I just, yeah, I'll gradually swoop away. I'll, I've got some young horses here on the farm. I'm keen to ride in bumper. So, yeah, maybe you know. I just, I'm not one of these. that's possibly going to just go out and say goodbye on the day. And yeah, I just, <laughs> I will know. It could be, t- it could be today. It won't be today. But do you know what I mean. Take every day as it comes. Um, yeah, I honestly, I, I go back to Graham Lee. I, I feel so mm. every day. I'm thinking of Graham. I met his daughter and Catra yesterday. She gave me a hug, and it's just stuff like that, you know. Just be realistic in this game. Try and stick, keep everyone as uh, safe as we can, and enjoy every moment of it.
0: And, and Graham's a, a little bit older than you, but you were part of the same vintage, sort of, in that jumps wearing room when you were when you were starting out. You mentioned Tom Scudamore, whose career sort of intertwined and dovetailed with yours an awful lot. There aren't many of those guys sitting in that weighing room at, at the moment that that you you started with. What does it feel like for you? Do you still feel at home there, or do you feel like um, a bit of a, a bit of an outlier, a bit of a, a wise old sage, well, old sage anyway?
4: No, I definitely, you know, I, I, I definitely feel, you know, I've, I've got shoes older than some of the lads and, and maybe, Nick, the respect isn't as much there as it once was and, and that's not picking on any individual. It is it is different now in society. You've got social media, you've got so much stuff that goes with racing, but, you know, I get respect from people I have a lot of respect from. You know, nothing will ever replace the wear room. Sometimes I just want to turn up with the races, walk in there, hide, come back out and go home. Um, they're the things that you don't see Um, that's been I've always felt welcome in there and yeah look that's when I think of retiring I think I won't be going in there anymore and it is it's a little hideout and yeah, I'm definitely the oldest there by a, by a long way. I've seen so many come and go. I've seen so many ups and downs from people. And it's a tough gig. Maybe in there, people aren't as mentally strong as they used to be. It's it's tough for them, honestly. They're, I see they get abused for a ride when it doesn't win. And, you know, some of them are taking it too, too much. Whereas when, when I started or when Tom Scudamore and them started, there was no social media and it was a much healthier place.
0: I've enjoyed this chat. Well done yesterday. 1,500 is a magnificent total. Thanks so much.
4: No worries. Top man Cheers. Thanks, bye-bye.
0: Oh, that was Paddy Brennan. Do you know, Lee, I, I haven't enjoyed an interview on the pod as much as that in a long time. He's always great, isn't he?
1: He is. He is one of the most uh, fascinating um, jockeys you could ever speak to. He, he, he thinks about every question before he answers it, and then he invariably delivers an answer that is uh, candid, uh, thoughtful, and really interesting. And that was the case, again, here. There was some really touching stuff in there too, um, Nick. Uh, you, you sense that often when we we have these stories about jockeys or trainers hitting uh, numerical milestones, you know, 500th winner, 1,000th winner, whatever, you wonder really whether that means a huge amount to them. And often I think it doesn't. Um, And often I think the public aren't really that interested either. But in this instance, I think it really does mean something to to Paddy, not least because we can contextualise that achievement against the figures that you mentioned in relation to two other jockeys in the past. As he made clear, he is very much walking down the back nine of his riding career. It won't last for that much longer. But when he does retire, he will be able to look back on what he has achieved with the most enormous pride and just looking
0: um to this weekend we have got some pretty smart racing before the the meat of the christmas period kicks in uh, with the with the long walk hurdle there could be a fergal o'brien winner with crambo we spoke about him yesterday but it's a it's a battle of the old stages with paisley park champ and Dashiell Drasher doing doing battle
1: it is nick i don't i think you know realistically i don't think anybody's going to say that we how ha- we have got a vintage uh, staying hurdle division at the moment we really haven't um which is why uh, a lot of people are expecting um uh, Tupu to go uh go and win the race this year he's not um a horse who we see a great deal of I and mean, we won't it again before the Cheltenham Festival but it's still highly unlikely that any horse will I think elevate their credentials above his even on Saturday um it's a particularly interesting race because although it's not a vintage renewal of the long walk, we're set to have ten runners, which is great in itself. And there's a real difference between the the old stages in the the contest, horses like Paisley Park, Dash or Drasher, and Champ, and the Young Brigade. The betting market would seem to have preference for the youngsters, horses. Like as you mentioned, Virgil O'Brien's Crambo, he'll be by Jonathan Burke for the first time on Saturday, and West Balboa uh, representing the skeletons. But if you look at the actual figures, Nick, what they've achieved is still a long way shy of what horses like Dash or Park, and Crambo and uh, Champ um, have posted. So they have a big jump to make to to get to to their level. If you look at, at Crambo, his his official rating is only one four two. West Balboa is 143 now there's tremendous scope for them to improve but paisley park is 157 dash or Drasher is 159 champ is 157 you know so they, they have a big bridge to cross i'm not necessarily certain they they will cross and if i was going to have a bet in the race at this stage i'd be half tempted by dear old paisley park
0: now it's back to where we started it's the croc it's hong kong and it's happy valley
2: Nick, a really interesting card at Happy Valley today. We've got eight races and all focus in race five on number six, Chilchibi, Chibi, who's uh, a young horse with a very big future. He's won four out of five. He's bidding for his fifth consecutive win at Happy Valley and uh, he'll be ridden by Jerry Chow. He's trained by Danny Shum, of course, of Romantic Warrior fame and Chill Chibi is a horse he's already declared is a real contender for the Hong Kong Derby, which uh, takes place next March. He's never raced at Sha Tin. Uh, Danny says that if the Derby was run at Happy Valley, he would be a certain winner. Well, it's run at Sha Tin these days, uh, Danny, unfortunately. But this horse is uh, a horse with great talent. And he'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes against two, Class 2 Company today. He's up against number 2, Drombeg Banner, a former Irish horse who's a bold front runner, and that means we're going to have a really strong pace. So, race 5, number 6, Chilchibi, to beat number 2, Drombeg Man- uh, Banner. In race 6, we've uh, got a uh, number 2, Simply Maverick, to keep an eye on here. He's trained by Ricky Yu and ridden by Andrea Azzini. This horse was a runaway winner. on on the International Jockeys Championship night, and he won by four and three-quarter lengths, which is pretty unheard of in Hong Kong in the uh, handicap uh, uh, ranks. But he's gone up 10 pounds as a consequence, but I don't think that's going to stop him. He's drawn wide in stall number 10, but I think he can beat number four, Red Hair King. So in race six, number two, Simply Maverick, to beat number four, Red Hair King. And looking elsewhere... James McDonald still in Hong Kong on this uh, uh, short stint and he's uh, in race three he's got a horse called uh, Gallant Valor trained by Jamie Richards this horse is uh, yet to break the ice in Hong Kong but uh, is uh, a ride that Jay Mack has picked up from Brenton Abdullah, who's gone down to Australia for Christmas race three number eight Gallant Valor so that's all on the Hong Kong beat this week got more for you next week.
0: All right. Um, thank you to the Croc for his help today and for his insight at the beginning of the show and to my guests, Paul Nichols and Paddy Brennan. And Lee Mosseshead, who's with you now and is going to give you a tip for today.
1: He's going to take you to Newbury, Nick, to the, the two o'clock, you, the Make Your Best Bet at Victor May's chase-listed contest. The market is dominated, dominated by the Harry Skelton and Dan Skelton train, Gallia, the Lito um, will start a, a red-hot odds-on favourite. But I just half wonder whether Pink Legend representing Phoenicia Williams and Charlie Deutsch might upset the favourite. She was disappointing on her seasonal reappearance um, but she improved significantly from her first run to her second last season. She's generally a solid performer at this sort of level and if the favourite is in any way below par, I think Pink Legend could spring a bit of a shock. Lee,
0: thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday the 20th of December and we will be back with much more tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.